The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. Who came along and said, well, that's a sin and that's not a sin and that's sin and that's not sin. Love, real love, the love of the Holy Spirit. I can't love her, that dancing young woman with agape if I think that that's good for her. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Marty. Matt, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Happy Ash Wednesday today. It's Ash Wednesday already. You remember the last one? We were doing this. That's right. We were talking about Lent. We're in another one, at least I am. You know what I mean? We're got some challenges to relate to. It's hard to believe a year ago, we didn't know what was coming, but... It's kind of cool to have the ancient rituals that we can participate in when we want to. Yeah. Explain what this season's all about. Well, Lent is part of the Christian calendar year. The Christian calendar year was established by the church hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And the idea was over the course of a year, they would kind of play out the whole message of salvation according to the biblical narrative of the 66 ancient documents called the Bible. And it begins with the season of Advent, which is waiting on the coming of Jesus, not just the first coming, like leading up to Bethlehem and his birth, but also the second coming when he comes again in final victory. After Advent comes Christmas tide, which is 10 days of Christmas or 12 days of Christmas. And then after that is Epiphany, where people had revelation that Jesus was God. And then after Epiphany comes today, which is Ash Wednesday, which leads into 40 days of Lent. And Lent is where we remember the suffering of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, the weakness of Jesus. And that leads into Holy Week, which begins with Palm Sunday, where Jesus made his last entry into Jerusalem. And it ends with the Last Supper, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday is such a, a misnomer in some ways because it's the death of Jesus as Messiah, the murder of Jesus, you know, the torture. And yet we call it Good Friday because of what it symbolizes for a Christ follower, that he paid the price for all of us, for our sin, for our life, for salvation. And that was proven by God in the resurrection of Jesus, which is Easter, followed by Eastertide, followed by Pentecost, which is where the Holy Spirit came upon the early Christ followers. And that was the birth of the church. And that's basically the second half of the year until it starts all over again. And so we are in taking a look at this season of Lent. It's kind of a season of darkness. It's kind of a season of repentance. There's somber times. It's kind of powerful today that that we're called to remember and kind of relive and contemplate what all that means for us 
as we try to get away from those feelings most of the time. And yet those feelings are some of the healthiest things. And those it's not just feelings, obviously, but putting into practice things. Some people give things up for the 40 days of Lent and some people take things on for the 40 days of Lent. So it's it's a pretty powerful ancient ritual. It was also in the ancient church what led up to people who joined the church, which was kind of a big deal because the church was had to be clandestine and it had to be, it's still countercultural today, obviously more and more so, but it was completely countercultural and actually illegal. And it is still illegal to convert to Christianity in many, many countries in the year 2021. So is it a good idea to model these 40 days after Christ in the desert? There is nothing inherently magical about that, but it is an opportunity that's handed to us that a lot of churches take advantage of to to help people take time to reflect and to contemplate on themselves, on their own walk with Christ, on the meaning of their life and remembering the suffering of Jesus. You know, he was in the wilderness for 40 days is kind of where he was tempted. And it is a chance to repent. It is a chance to come clean. It is a chance to really take to heart the the meaning of suffering individually in our world. And as we reflect on how Christ even redeemed or made good things come out of suffering. You know, like if you redeem a coupon at the store, you get value from that. And it's a powerful way for us to understand the completeness of Jesus in our lives, because we don't just take our good, happy times. You know, it hit me today when we look at the true nature of Christianity. It is not a show. It is not, my life is not a show. And yet I spend so much time recording my life, you know, all of us with our phones and our selfies. We want to almost make our life a story when it already is, but we want to make it more than a story. We want to kind of make it a show, like, look at me. And I think Lent is a really good reminder that God has said, no, it is not a show. It is, it's the truth. It is, it is a true way of living life in authenticity that is compelling for so many people, the Christian church around the world is the most diverse organization on the planet. I think that um, it's important to keep in mind that it isn't just to get beat down, it's to get physically strong, spiritually strong too. And, and that's that's the effect that has on me. That's exactly right. You know, we, we think of when you exercise, in some ways you're tearing down the muscles in order to build them up to make them stronger. Heart surgery you damage you have to damage the heart in order to repair it it is a painful thing not so much so thanks to anesthesia but you have to damage it in order to fix it there is something inherently truthful in the universe about that and the same thing you know we've talked about fasting on previous podcasts and we've talked about the self-discipline that is required for living healthfully in many ways, you have to be able to say no to yourself. And I think Lent overall and, and Ash Wednesday is, is the beginning of that. And maybe it would be good for us to dive in more to what, what does this look like and how can this help? How can this help me living my life to the fullest? Yeah. So you mentioned fasting. I want to focus on repentance and here's why. That was the biggest, it was an experience 
right? It was, and so it has qualities to it that 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 I would want to um, hear about from other people. But I know what the qualities of repentance was for me. So I would like for us to try to get really down to the essence of what it is, because I'll have Christians come in the office, and oftentimes they didn't repent. Because mm-hmm. I'll ask them, I'll say, "Well, did you repent?" Because there's a because repentance is transformational. We talk about it in behavioral terms because we're we're materialists right. and uh, and we're taught materialism that okay, you just the thing that you observe that's what you talk about. Mm-hmm. But you can't observe some of those spiritual things because they're not visible. Right, we can see evidence of them, you know, like maybe kindness and things like that. But but I, I want to get into what does it feel like to repent, so we know what we're doing, and it's not just saying you're sorry. Oh, no. let me count my mistakes. And then, okay, sorry about that. I, that that doesn't transform a person. It just doesn't. It's it's not. That's so true. And it's such a misunderstanding, even among people who have grown up in church or people who have been seeking to walk with Christ or want a new life for themselves. But you talked about experience and you talked about how if you went through a time and obviously then it becomes a regular rhythm in our lives but i would love for you to share your story of of how what were the elements what was repentance like for you mm-hmm. the first time that you really came face to face with it yeah let's do that so in greek where it was written if you're looking at repentance in the new testament it's metanoia okay metanoia isn't apologizing metanoia speaks to a transformation of, of the mind and the spirit right yeah yeah uh, that's it's, what changed like metamorphosis it's it's the caterpillar in the cocoon turning into the butterfly right that that's what it was so for for me it was this it was a deep experience of it's been hard to talk about the more i talk with other people and try to work it i i realized something in me changed away from okay i put it this way through prayer and repentance and heartfelt repentance, like, okay, Lord, um, to help me do this. I'm not good at that. Okay, that's fine. I'm not criticizing what other people do. I'm going to tell you what happened to me and what changed everything because it really, really changed. It was a deep understanding, a deep, deep knowing with, with absolute confidence that I did not know the good the way that I needed to know the good. Okay. Wow. And by contrast, I felt very, very, very humbled right? Very humbled. Like, oh my gosh, I just didn't know. I, I, I really didn't know. Because when you get into studying Christ, there's a level of good that is beyond. That's, you know, that's the kingdom that's supposed to come, that is coming. Okay. I didn't know. And I had that in my repentance and I didn't know. I really didn't know any better. I thought I knew. I knew what the world taught. And at that point, I got a relief, a, 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 a deep relief. I would say it's like a big sigh. Muscles get relaxed, lots of tears, right? Wait, you were crying? Yeah, I cry all the time. I'd recommend people do that. I think it's. I thought it was weak to cry. I turned that around. I think that you're a you're a coward if you're afraid to feel that emotion or that somebody might call you out on it. What are you afraid of a person teasing you? Big deal. You know, you're afraid of something that your body is designed to do. You know, so you're not being tough by saying, I don't cry. You, you do learn to shut that down if you're in a family culture that discourages it from happening. But actually, if you do cry, you, you get painkillers. You know, one is enkephalin. You have these natural morphines that God gave us to that if we're suffering too much, physical exhaustion, sometimes physical pain, heartbreak, we have that response to soothe us. 
and it, and it makes us feel connected again. That's right? amazing. Yeah. A lot of people when the Holy Spirit come, they cry. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, there are lots of reasons that we do that. It's, it can be a catharsis even, but yeah, lots of tears, lots of, of, of genuine remorse, but it didn't have, you're a bad person. You're a bad person. Oh, now I'm crying because I'm a bad person. No, you felt like, no, I, I'm okay. This is the best I can do. I need help. And I have somebody who will help me to do that. So it was that type of emotional experience. Now, at that point, because there's been a the beginning of a change of heart and mind, I couldn't look at sin the same way. Mm-hmm. Things that I would look at before and think nothing of it. I remember one, I was at, the, I was at a gym trying to work off some of that fat that all that sin caused me. So, and then there's a a video, a country video, and there's a woman and, you know, lingerie. Mm. And, and my, my, you know, I felt this feeling of like, that's so bad for her, right? She's so much better. Now that sounds judgmental, maybe, maybe it is, but it would, I didn't feel judgmental because it felt like I wanted more for her. Right. I, I, I thought that that was beneath her. To, to show her body like that, or that, that, that she might be caught up into some things that she doesn't know. Those kinds of things were new. When you said you looked at sin in a different way, who came along and said, well, that's a sin and that's not a sin and that's sin and that's not sin? Love, real love, the love of the Holy Spirit. I can't love her, that dancing young woman mm-hmm. with agape if I think that that's good for her. But now maybe she made some money or whatever. This is something I'm doing, whatever mm-hmm. it may, but, but it was one of those things that changed because if you truly, truly love somebody, I don't think you'd want them to do that. Right. You know, you would want them to have dignity and not be looked at on as a sexual object. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think wow. it's agape love. I, I really think grace involves the actual experience of agape because you get to feel God's love. You get mm-hmm. to feel God's acceptance. You know, that's what agape is. Right. Wow. That's powerful. And that, did you know at the time that you would look back one day and say, this for me was a season of repentance? I knew I repented because I talked to you. Like, see, this is what's so convincing to me about it. It happened so organically. I didn't buy a program or a book or I didn't have anybody guiding me through it. I just was completely empty. I emptied out everything because I was desperate at that point. I'm like, okay, no more Marty. Marty plan, bad plan. Okay. Find something that that is the highest thing. And that was what I determined was the highest thing. So I trying to know the mind of Christ, the behaviors of Christ, the wishes of Christ. That's when I looked and go, oh no. Turn another page and I go, oh no, I'm bad. I'm not good. Here's what I'm doing. But the, but it was but there wasn't any condemnation in it. It was more of a feeling of no, come on, return. You didn't know any better. How could you? I know you didn't know any better, okay? Now there's this new way. Right. And the, there's it's a complete release of shame. Yeah, exactly. Because you would think I would be ashamed, like all these things I did. But that, w- that would be ego. And I was losing my ego. I was surrendering my ego, the Marty Joe, the Marty party. I, was, I surrendered that to God. And there was relief in that. And there was acceptance in that too. And I know it's if you're a non-believer listening to this out there, I hope it doesn't sound too weird. The spiritual things are hard to talk about, all right? You can know them without knowing how to speak about them very well. So then that's, it was during that period because it was a three-month period of really knowing that repentance and being in that new way of turning away from the world and looking towards heaven, 
so I would periodically just have these deep emotional experience. And there's a lot of pain that we hold back with muscular attention, with, you know, quick thoughts, with distraction, with uh, substances. When they start to come out, to me, the metaphor I explained it to people was this hard heartedness, like ice, ice is hard ice is cold. Mm. I felt like I was walking around with an icy heart without knowing it. And the more I prayed and got into the scriptures, it would start to thaw a little bit. Now some water can run through it, right? Mm -hmm. And a big chunk breaks off of that ice. And then there's more, you know, movement in there of of the spirit. And, And so, yeah, in the car, you'd be crying about it, but it's joyful tears because of such of the relief and love can make you cry. We know that love can. When you were going through those three months, especially, did you have a sense of being close to God or just at that time close to peace? I mean, were you able to say, I think this is God? Yeah, I didn't know the difference. Christ even. Mm. Like it was so close, man. It was so what I want to say. It was so personal that I actually shed tears for the crucifixion. I would have these images, the fact that he did that. And I would feel sorrow for that actual event. Now that's weird. Go over 2000 years in history. I'm having thoughts of that, but it it felt that intimate where I I felt like truly, truly compassion for the suffering Christ. All that stuff is, is, is weird, (laughs) unusual, you know, but it lasted months. That that intensity lasted months. I know that's, what happens i know that's how it happens i know that's part of this ritual you know that people who do go through these seasons in the christian year and it's not all about that it's about closeness with christ but like you said sometimes not reliving it but being able to name it being able to experience it being able to let your guard down enough to go there and place yourself at the scene of the cross, of the love of God, of the coming of God into the world as Jesus, of the rescue of God. Yeah. I remember wanting him so badly that I would imagine him on the side of the road so I could see him. That was a longing for that because it was so good. And and I, and I wasn't, I was afraid I was going to screw it up a lot too. So I was really cautious with that. I did like, Hey, you want to drink? I'm not like, okay, there's nothing really wrong with ever drink, but I don't want to mess this up. Because this is better than any wine ever opened for me, you know. That is amazing. You know, it's such a a reminder that everything that you can see, behind everything you can see is something that you can't see that's controlling it. That Yeah, that's the spiritual that we're talking about. That's the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. There's a physical realm, there's a spiritual realm, and, you know, and, and, and they're together too. Right. Yeah. It's not this big split, this big divide. And even set aside talk about God behind me, behind everything you can see about me, our thoughts, our attitudes, our belief, my beliefs are my life experiences that has brought me to what you can see right now. That's in a way a spiritual component, you know, doesn't mean we're being controlled by angels and demons kind of a thing. However, you know, we don't have to rule that out because we can take a holistic approach to all of this. When it comes to repentance, you said some things that were really powerful because you talked about it. And and this is the very definition of repentance. And that's why when you first came to me and said, is this the Holy Spirit? Mm. Is this God? And, and as I listened, I said, yes, because two things were happening. There's a turning away from, and you talked about old attitudes, your old lifestyle, the way you thought sin that you'd 
used to not be bothered by. There's a turning away, and then there's also a turning back to God. Repentance is like doing a 180. You're walking one way, mm -hmm. and then it's not like you just keep walking saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You stop, and you do a 180. So you're turning away from sin or the world stuff, and you're turning back to God. And, you know, when I was thinking about kind of three elements of repentance in the Bible, John the Baptist was actually the cousin of Jesus. And he came like a prophet before Christ and he had his own following and he talks to people. This is how broken the Jewish religion was at the time. People weren't going to the temple to find God. They were going to the wilderness. That's where John the Baptist was. The temple was kind of the, the uh, institution that was the machine you know, and, and the spirit of God had left the temple. And so they were going to the wilderness where John the Baptist, this crazy man that was eating locusts and honey, and he was a Nazarite, which, which means he completely set himself apart, aside to be with God. And he said this to people. He was, he was kind of nasty with them. He called them out, but he said, bear fruits in keeping with repentance bear fruit that prove your repentance in matthew chapter 3 verse 8 and in luke chapter 3 verse 8 they both record this bear fruits in keeping with repentance and so there there is a production that is happening there is a result it's not just oh i'm sorry like you said but it's turning away and turning to something that is going to produce natural goodness like a ripe peach or whatever kind yeah. of fruit you want to picture. And John the Baptist, you know, who was calling people out saying, this is harsh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, was saying, as you repent, bear fruit in keeping with repentance, you know, and, and that's a way to, to look at it. If, if somebody is going through something and they are full of belittling thoughts, if, if they are saying to themselves, oh, I should be so much better. I should, I should be further along. I shouldn't be struggling the way I'm still struggling. I should be richer. I should be a better dad. I should be a better whatever. That is not God's voice. That's not repentance because God wants nothing to do with belittling you. That's not of God. And so, so the first thing is, as you're thinking, if repenting, is something that you are leaning into and you're here a part of this conversation. It's a turning away from yourself, turning away from the world, turning away from sin and turning back to God, which doesn't separate you from the world. It calls you to the world, but with a whole new yes. message. So John the Baptist mentions repentance and says, bear fruit as you do this. Find good things that you can do that honor and that reflect what your heart is going through. The second thing Jesus says. Matt, Matt, one more time. That was good. I want to think about that. That first point, please. One more time. The idea of bearing fruit. Figure out what you can do that reflects this new mind, this paradigm shift, this, this incredible. Some people say new life. That's where the term being born Mm -hmm. Again, born new. It's 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 you, but it's a whole it it's a right side up version of you in the world. Doesn't make all your problems go away, but 
because you're seeing them incredibly differently. You're coming at it with this peace and with this equilibrium and with this new spiritual power. And you're not, it's not all about you. So you can set that aside and, oh my gosh, that frees you up a ton when you realize it's not all about you. So, so John the Baptist, who is the forerunner of Jesus that said, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He's quoting the Old Testament there. And then he says, then he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So Jesus then comes along and not long after that, he says, repent, but he says, repent and believe, believe the kingdom of God is at hand. How can, how can we, I'm interested, but I trust him more than me. How do you separate Repenting. repentance from, from believing? Because once I had that experience, it's like, I'm, I've never doubted ever because that experience now not everybody needed that you know you didn't need it so it wasn't necessary for you i needed it but once you have that experience and i knew who it was from pretty much i just needed you to confirm it for me like i needed an expert <laughs> i'm a novice i need someone who's like letters behind their names oh great That's... but i knew it though i knew that that it was something good you know, and I knew that it was from God because I'd never felt anything like that before. But then the morality that that was downstream from that, mm-hmm. because because what you said, being born again, I knew what born again meant. It wasn't like, hey, I joined a club. What's it called? The yeah. born agains. Oh, you're in the born agains. It's it's really not like that. It's experiential. You know, it's interesting that he would say, because I had to believe I just had to believe at that point. I'm wondering, can you do it without believing? I think the, the fact that Jesus separates them out, that believing is, is its own new reality. So, uh-huh. you know, you could repent and feel remorse and be looking around for, okay, what do I fill my life with now? Because I realize the emptiness, you know, a lot of us, we go down this path and Christians do this too. You go down this path and it's filling you up for a bit. And then it's like every addiction, if you want to put it that way, you know, pretty soon one drink's not enough, two drinks, mm-hmm. two hits aren't enough, mm-hmm. whatever it is, two times aren't enough, three times, four times. And, and so it's like you found this thing, but, but instead of, of finding the newness that God wants for you, this new walk that God wants for you, you just keep stuffing the newness with the old stuff. Oh, okay. Is that quenching the spirit? Like it's there, but you, because your belief is weakened, is it? I don't know. I think, I think that could fit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But, so Jesus says, repent and believe that the kingdom of God is at hand. And this is Jesus saying it. So he's saying, believe in me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not saying, believe this list of truths that I'm going to tell you to. And he's not changing the subject. He's drawing people to himself. And he, he is. Yeah. But he's drawn himself as I am the way. So don't just believe me, my first name, Yeshua. Okay. Believe in everything that I am and that I represent. Right. And you'll know what somebody believes, not because they tell you. You'll know because of those fruits you're talking about. Right. That, right. So, so repentance is transformation. It's not just a decision. Okay. I'm going to apologize for the ones that I can remember because there's so many. And then we're cool. But nothing changed. I haven't been transformed. I'm not born again, I believe, because that's where the Holy Spirit enters. And now you will not want to touch things that aren't holy, and you'll be able to discern them more quickly. At least in my experience, that's what it was. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. You know, a lot of people hear the word repentance, and it sounds like a churchy word for saying, I'm sorry. 
And here's the deal. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, I got caught. <laughs> You're right. Cause that's when people say it. Right. Oh man. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. And they're more just saying, Oh, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I got caught. Thank you, for, thank you for stopping me. God couldn't, I couldn't. Right. Right. And they may be sincere when they say, I'm sorry, but chances are they're saying, I'm sorry, I got caught. Here's the deal though, repentance. And it goes back to that definition. It's a turning away, but then it's a turning back to God. Repentance isn't just saying, I'm sorry, I got caught, but it's equally about your future. Yes. So it's not like you're saying, oh, I'm sorry for this thing that I did, this thing I did, I'm past it, I'm past it, I'm past it. Re repentance is not just about your past. Repentance is equally about your future and the direction you're heading. Yes. What, what, 180. Right. What will I love now? What will I praise? Right. The higher things. I was loving and praising. I hope that you out there, listener, have thought of it in this way. Right. Because it's the goal is to become Christ-like. Because Christ is the highest good. He was sent to be the highest good. It's not superficial at all. It's profound and pro profound change. So if, if you don't feel transformed, keep keep going. Now, it's not like forever. It's not, it's not like because we'll be challenged and we'll, we'll need to return to this. I repent every, every morning. I, I may miss some, but usually not. But part of the prayer that I say is uh, I repent for not or return to him for not loving God with with my whole heart, soul, mind, and for not loving neighbors, all my neighbors like myself. I, I have to do that every day because, you know, even if I didn't get in an argument or something, I still didn't feel that agape as much as Christ felt it. Right, right. Well, and you run down. The world runs you down. Yeah. You run yourself down and I run myself down. And it's sort of like, you know, your phone, you got to plug it in and charge it up on a regular basis. And we're just like that. We run down. And he shows how to do that too. So that like, as we go into Lent, what you just said is very relevant to me, to that Lenten season, because you're, you're, I guess what I want to say is this fasting. If you learn how to do it, you know, study it, get some help. Cause it's, it's not as much in the Western tradition, Catholicism. Yes. But um, it's so good for you. And because it, it, we've talked about our fast before, especially when we do a long one, gosh, the world's animated. I didn't know how to say that, but I was like, man, I'm almost seeing this like in like almost cartoon spiritual stuff. And some of that is a mechanism of, you know, colors become more vibrant. Good. I don't care about the mechanism. It's ha something's making that happen. That's God. Um, and then when you don't eat for a while and, and each time you go, oh, oh, nope, can't have that. Was thinking about that. You do start to feel really, really good. You know what I mean? Like, especially after that first day or two, you just start feeling really good. And all this time appears, which is really nice for contemplation and solitude, doesn't it? Like time, like elongates. Because when you take eating like three to five times a day, which is probably what most Westerners do, you have all of this space and time, you know, and God will help you. You won't be hungry. You know, you will for a little while till your body gets used to it. But as soon as you hit, you know, start the lipolysis and get those ketones, man, those make you feel bright, bright, kind of sharp. So it's, let's not say like suffer. He told us not to do that anyways. Like, hey man, don't, what's the line where he's like, don't like. Oh, we don't go around acting like you're miserable. Oh God, yeah. I fasted for. So spiritual. <laughs> right. And you can fast from other things besides food. Uh -huh. I think a lot of us probably need to do it a 24-hour technology fast. Mm -hmm. After you listen to this podcast in its entirety. <laughs> <laughs>
they just flip it off. Everyone's gone at the same time after you say that. Like with his ears. It's like, oh, good idea. Click. <laughs> so good. But it's true. You know, anything that you think you can't do without. Uh huh. I would just challenge myself. You're exactly why. Why? Because some people are figuring it out still. Like, what am I going to give up? What am I going to give up? One guy told me if I had any bollocks, I guess, I would quit smoking, he said. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Do, do, the, do the hard thing and see what happens. But, 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 How about but, the hard thing of belief? Repent okay. and believe okay. and tr- say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm trusting your grace is sufficient for me. Mm-hmm. That is throughout the Bible. And there's kind of a third thing with repentance that I want to talk about. And even though it's Lent and it's a time to think about the suffering and it, there's a somber quality to the days, Jesus is telling a parable of the lost sheep. One sheep wanders away from the 99 and the shepherd goes after it. And when he finds it, he places the sheep back on his shoulders and he heads home and he throws a party because he found his lost sheep. And Jesus says, likewise, there will be joy in heaven with the angels over one sinner who repents. Mm. There is joy available and joy is a part of this repentance kind of a thing. It is. I'm I'm telling you, I was so surprised about that because we think it's all about, I think that what we do is we use God without knowing it sometime as a proxy like for our parents. We think he acts like our parents. You know, we call him father and seem I seem to get in trouble when I screw up big time. Okay. Not like that. So so now you just have to, well, you're you're, you know, beat your chest, render your garments and all that stuff and just oh suffer. It's not like that. There's joy in that surrender. I'm I'm saying I'm looking forward to this. I'm I'm really I look forward to to the Lenten season mm-hmm. for that reason. I I I I anticipate more closeness with God and other people more space in my life. I anticipate that a, a deeper communion and emphasis on the kingdom of heaven and how it's coming into the world, which I, I hundred percent believe that I don't worry about that, you know? So it's a joyful, it can be a joyful experience, can it? Or, is, or am I just a freak? Completely. No. Well, you're kind of a freak anyway, but two things can be true. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to share from Psalm 139. This would be a great thing for anybody who's with us in this podcast to do as a follow-up. And it would be to read Psalm 139. But in there, in verse 23 and 24, it's basically a prayer to God, a prayer of David. And, and, and it says, search me, O God, and know my heart, test and know my anxious thoughts. I love that they had anxiety back then like we were talking about last week. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, that's some good stuff. What, what verse is that? Is it right at the top? Psalm 139, starting in 23 and 24. <sighs> Search me, O God, know my heart. Test and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and and beat me up. No, it doesn't say that. It says, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's this new walk. You talk a lot about walking in the spirit. Yes. And by walking in the spirit, what I mean is I want to feel God's presence as often and as intensely as possible. Right. Right. Yes. And yes, that's one way, a good way. That's repentance. So is there forgiveness involved in repentance? 
mostly it's it's realizing claiming owning experiencing the fruit of the benefits of God's forgiveness of he's completely forgiven us but just because we're forgiven by God doesn't mean we're reconciled to God and I think repentance is again it's the 180 it's not just walking the way I'm walking saying oh I'm sorry God I'm sorry God I'm sorry people I'm sorry people and that's not repentance that's just trying to CYA yeah you're externalizing it this is a spiritual internal experience that goes starts from here in the heart and goes without you know what I mean? And then you can practice the presence of, of God. Right, right. Forgiveness and repentance are, are two different things. I'm sorry, forgiveness is part of repentance. Forgiveness and re- reconciliation are two different things. You know, to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, doesn't mean you're going to have everything back connected. I can forgive you for abusing me and not reconcile with you. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness is just takes one person. It's what I can do in my heart. I can release you from what you owe me for harming me or hurting me or whatever. That's forgiveness. Reconciliation means that you're showing the fruit of repentance and we can begin a potential new relationship. God has forgiven the whole world, but the whole world is not reconciled to God until they own their sin, until they repent and believe. Yes. And, and learn to distinguish what's good from what's not good. Like, like everything is pretty much as good as long as it's in its order, as long as it's in its possible order. That, that, that's my understanding, at least. So if things are out of order, you can reconcile those things, too. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, so, you know, sex. Okay, God created thing, created, but it needs to be in its proper place or it turns into something bad. Same with food. You know, I rip on sugar a lot and stuff like that, but sometimes it's in its proper order, like at a wedding. No, nope, can't, can't have any of that because it's bad. No, it's not. It's, it's in its order. You can have some. That's exactly, that's a great way to look at it. Now I want to hear some repentance stories. Anything that comes to mind, like you were born like, I don't know, like John the Baptist kind of, you know, you are, you, dude, you were, I, I, I have searched you, <laughs> so did God, but I have searched you. I try to get these things. You, you're a good boy. I don't know why. I was scared, but at the same time, I can remember wanting to do what Jesus would want me to do. I know. Talk, talk about it, a great way to go through it. And it wasn't just because I'll be beat up or I'll get a spanking or something if I don't. And, and I rebelled. I was a manipulative controller and, you know, and, and uh, my parents and I were always very close. They were, I think, a good balance of strict and full of fun. I was third out of four kids. My older brother and sister actually taught me a lot and a lot of good things along the way as well. And as they were walking in their own relationship with with God. And I was surrounded by a great loving community for me in the church that I grew up in, in Birmingham, Michigan. And, and so there were, that was kind of our home away from home. Everybody knew me because they knew I was Jay and Joanne's son. And so I felt watched over in a good way. Do you think because, because you had so much love around you, it was, uh, wasn't questionable? Because like people, when I grew up, I wasn't 
exposed to people who are good at this stuff, right? So, so, so maybe God gave me this giant, you know, experience of it. So I would know what that was or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the way I described it a long time ago is, is still pretty similar. You know, we're in Michigan and one of the things you do in Michigan is you skip rocks. Yeah. On the beach. We have more shoreline than the entire eastern seaboard from Miami all the way up to the tip of Maine. Lots Just of flat saying. rocks too, right? Yeah. Lots of flat rocks. We have a town called Flat Rock. <laughs> so good skipping. If you want to skip a vacation. Yeah. If you've done everything, you know, you've been to Europe and all that stuff and you want to do something really cool, come over and find some flat rocks and skip all them. All along the shores of Lake Michigan, <laughs> Lake Huron, Lake Erie, Lake Superior, wherever you go. Yeah. And so to me, it was, I had a sense, I always knew about God. There is a point where I had to internalize it. And then I had to realize that some of my life wasn't lining up with God and there was repentance involved. Mm -hmm. And it was this overwhelming sense of love and, and being made right again. And hope was a part of it as well. well. I like the, what's hope? I love that. I love, and it's in the Bible, you know, all the time and stuff like that. And what we're having right now, I'm asking you this because people are losing hope because of the pandemic, the politics, the blah, 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 especially young people. If I'm from a different planet and, I, and we don't have hope and you're going to tell me what it is, how would you say hope? For me, and I don't know where I've re- if I've read this anywhere, hope isn't just wishful thinking that it's going to get better. Hope is an ingrained knowledge that there is a right way that it's all supposed to be. There's a, a yeah. good way for all of us to live. And that's called the kingdom of God. And Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of mm-hmm. God and the kingdom of God is coming. It's, it's here and not yet here mm-hmm. on its way. And we see pockets of it and we see moments of it, but it's almost like this wedge, you know, that broke into history when Jesus 2000 years ago entered and he, he brought the tip of it and it's moving forward. But to me, hope is what it looks like when we get it right. What's heaven going to be like? There's going to be no suffering. There's going to be no pain. There's going to be no brokenness. There's going to be no more hurting and dying there. And, and hope to me is living out in this moment what it's going to be like. So in this office, with this conversation I'm having at my house with my kids, they're driving me crazy or whatever's going on, but I, I'm going to act out what I understand it's going to be in heaven. You know, there's the part of the Lord's Prayer, which a lot of people memorize, that says, thy kingdom come, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To me, that is hope. When God's will gets acted out in heaven, I can start doing it now. And it's like a foretaste. To me, hope is a foretaste of what heaven's going to be like. Yeah, that, I, I like that. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project has a way of saying that I th- thought was clever. He said, because in my tradition um, that I rejected, I won't say which one it was. I don't want to offend anyone. Some of them are really good, I'm sure. But the, the one I had was all about the fear. That, and, and they put it in our minds that, okay, all that stuff out there is going to be destroyed. And then he's making new stuff. So that tree, that's, and then Tim Mackey says, no, he, he said, I'm going to make all things new, not all new things. Boy, that's a big switch, you know, from what I thought, because one has destruction and fire and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, the survivors are going to uh, new construction. Yeah. 
I don't think the kingdom of God's coming through the spirit. Mm-hmm. Christ changed it with the spirit. He didn't pick up weapons, a right. whip or something once, but it wasn't, he wasn't serious. You know, <laughs> but, uh, he didn't want it that way. Spiritual transformations transforms the world. Look at Rome. Look at your family. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we think about repentance, you know that you've done it. And it's an ongoing process, but the big bulk majority of it early is if you've had a transformation. Yeah. If you're more, if, if you're less looking to the world and the idols of the world to satisfy you and looking more to God, if God's on your mind a lot and you want, and if you love more people, right. if you forgive more people, it's happening as a process is how I think of it. He's making all things, yeah. me, you, new. Yeah, that's crazy. I know, man. You get to live it. It's like this cool what do they call it? Like a real-time play type stuff. Real, real, right. You know? Yeah. Virtual reality happening. Yeah. And that's bearing fruit with repentance. Like John Baptist said, it's repenting in belief, believing like Jesus said, it's joy in heaven. When one person repents, Jesus told in his parable. And you're not a, you're not a monk either because it does transform the world because there's no way that I wasn't having success doing it the other way. And I just started doing it the way Christ's mm-hmm. way. Then all these opportunities come up, all these little mini miracles, people, you know, treated me differently because I treated them differently. And this is all the stuff that Christ said to do. And by practicing and becoming Christ-like the world will, I know there've been some martyrs, but that's, and that's, what's going to take you. That's bringing in the kingdom of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's exactly what's happening. And that's where the hope that you can have for living the rest of this day comes from. Now, it'll take you to unfamiliar places, which can be scary. But but even the unfamiliar ones, are, you find God there. Yes. Shadow of the valley of death. Right. right. You'll fear no evil. He tells us that metaphorically like mm-hmm. that. And it can work. I told you, like, look, I'll be really honest with you. I, I'll confess this to you. I've already confessed before. I can get irritable. Okay. Especially, yeah, I can definitely get your ball and in ways that I think Christ wouldn't have. So Christ is trying to open up, you know, uh, those old can openers with tuna and you want your tuna and it's just can't get it down. You know, three or four spins past that I start to get like a four-year-old. Like, oh, I I can't believe, you know. So those things are still kind of present, but present, but towards other people, I don't do that anymore. That's a big change for me. That's awesome. Yeah, but that's possible for everybody. It is. Call being a nice person and And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory and fine smooth sailing you're going to go through awful rough times but you're not going through them alone yeah but the worry is what i was going to contrast that with yeah anger irritation is means like okay i got the marty plan and there's an obstacle worry is something completely different though Mm -hmm. now that i don't worry I don't, I have concerns, but I've, and I don't think you worry either. I think you have concerns and people coming on you, sure. but worry means that God's not going to come through that. I've, right. I know the plan and it's not going to work. I can see it. And God's not going to come through for me. I have no confidence. Maybe as a way to kind of wrap up this whole idea of repentance. And even if you're facing fear of repentance, I want you to hear this quote by Oswald Chambers. This was on Kathy Ledley's desk over here at the church. And I, Beth and I happened to be talking and she said, what's that say? And then she read it and we were both, it blew us away. Listen to this. The remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas when you don't fear God, you fear everything else. Uh, that's yes. 
That's right. If that's the transformative power of repentance. That's that's right. But we have to understand fear though in the way that they say, you know, because it's not we don't we want to get away from the headmaster with the you know oh, yeah. yardstick that's gonna smack us. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to correct us and he generally does it very gently and, and very patiently. Fear of the Lord is awe. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what happened when I said that the world looked different. I was in awe of it. I was seeing things that I couldn't see before. Is that fear? It looks like fear. You know what I mean? When something is just so big and you're just like, oh my gosh, kind of thing. It's it's sort of sure. like that. You're going into this unknown, but it, it feels like coming home to a home you've never been before. Very good. You want to pray us out? You have anything else? I would love to. No, this is so good. Okay. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for this story of repentance that you provided a way for us, Lord, to come to you. You provided us for a way to begin to see changes in our lives that we're not just going the same old way saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I got caught. But it's more about our future than it is about just saying I'm sorry and never changing. Thank you, God, that you are about all about transforming us, not into something else, but into who you originally designed us to be, into our best selves. I thank you so much for the opportunity to experience belief and good fruits that come from this and the joy that that heaven experiences when there's one sinner who repents. Lord, may that be me today. May that be each of us. God, thank you that you seek to, we can invite you to search our hearts, to know our thoughts and lead us in the way everlasting. Thanks God so much that that this is such a hope-filled, natural, just good way to live our lives. I pray that you would help us to do that and take these steps and pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Matt. Yes. True or false. If you become a patron, you can do it on lots of levels and there's all kinds of cool swag. And we're going to be doing a Q&A when we get a few more people involved and that there's a special offer on a Gator and you can uh, get all of these videos emailed right to you. True or false. That is so true. There's some really cool stuff available for people who support us on a monthly basis and who support this ministry, if you want to call it that, that we're trying to minister to people through conversations about scripture, theology, and psychology. It's pretty unique. And I'm all about the bling, you know. How about this one? Uh, True or false? We are not only in the United States, but we're growing in other continents, such as Africa. Yeah, there's people from other countries who are tuning in and who are getting involved. True or false? Anyone can get involved right now by going to patreon.com and searching the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. That is true. And you can see the different levels of involvement. There are some people who are able to give $5 a month. There's some people who can give $100 a month or more. I like the dollar donors too, because that tells me that here's someone who really, really wants to do it. That really encourages me. There's expenses that we have, even though it sounds like we're just having a conversation. They, The folks who do our editing and things like that clean it up and make it sound terrific. And they get it on the platform so that more and more people can enjoy it. Please come on board. It's a lot of fun. Do, do some good in the world. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.